Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of On The Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com or on Stitcher or iPhone podcasts or... But if you're listening to us on, thank you so much for joining us, Spotify even. Lyle, g'day to you. How you going, mate? Doing well? I'm fantastic, thanks. Welshy, g'day to you. Very g'day, Tony. You well, buddy? I'm pretty good. Good to hear. I think he might be drunk, actually, Tony. That's why I I think he might be pretty drunk. Who? (laughs) Old mate over here, Welshy. You reckon? Yeah. It's a Wednesday night for him, so. We're at the pub. Yes, we are. You've already had a couple. Yeah, we're at the, the Royal Mail. We are on the Royal Mail in Spencer, Spencer Street. I don't yeah. even know where I am. Yeah, no, yeah, Jeff Batch down under two was meant to be under nine. Unfortunately, it was cancelled due to coronavirus. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, obviously, the large gathering put a dent in that. But just looking around at the venue here, Tony, seeing a no-ring deathmatch in this could have been out of place. This is a nice establishment. It is a nice establishment. There's no doubt about that. Now, Tony, yes. I know you're accusing me of being drunk, but I heard a rumour about you this yeah. week. Is it true that you lost your licence for 100 years? No, no, no. That's incorrect. Was your licence suspended for 100 years? That is correct. Okay. What's the difference? Well, the difference is if you lose your licence, you never get it back. When it's suspended, you have the opportunity to get it back. So what happened was... and. We've got guests. Hang on, no, no. I don't care what happened. How fucking fast were you driving? No, no, I wasn't driving at all. Is this a school zone? I wasn't, sorry? No, it wasn't a school zone. Casanova Valentine is our special guest tonight. Jump in there and grab so that. We're, right just, right we're just talking to Tony because we found out during the week... Are you guys recording? Already? Yes, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he had Holy his license yeah. suspended for a hundred years. A hundred? A hundred years. How's that even possible, a hundred? What a weird number. Well, let, me, type let me explain what happened. How fast do you think he'd have to be going to lose his license? Uh, one million miles an hour. <laughs> you had a rocket. Let me explain what happened. I, was, I went to the Grand Prix on Thursday to do my work. Were you in the race and you'd... Uh, you were, oh, were you in the race? race? For sake, would you shut <laughs> up? <laughs> you I went off the road! Yeah. I Someone's went to the Grand Prix. The police recognised my car because you're a celebrity via the way of the we have rego recognition cameras so they can actually spot your registration it goes through a computer and it gives the police the information that they need to know and Tony Rego's got a blue tick like what's going on here so they came over to my car and they said sir we need to ask you a question is this your car I said yes it is they said right they said "Uh, your name and address and all that I gave it to them they said can you tell us why you're driving the car and I said, well, Why are you driving it? To go places. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly, exactly. Why does anyone use a car? My answer was, because I can. Can you, <laughs> well, no, you, can't, can you tell out. me why I shouldn't be driving it? And he said, well, according to my information here, you're suspended. Your license. I said, well, that's got to be incorrect. I said, my license isn't suspended. Well, it was suspended earlier this year, to be It fair. was. I said, I lost demerit points earlier this year, 12 demerit points. I took the three-month ban, but that ended on the 3rd of January. So I said... I should be driving. There shouldn't be any issues. He said, well, no, this is a bit different. He said, this actually tells me that your license is suspended 
for 100 years. He said, you can't drive again until January 2119. He's like, I'll be dead by then. That's 100 years. There's a fair chance of that. Tony, does your rego last that long? Anyway, what happened? No, it doesn't. But why a why, why hundred? Okay, Where did so, they get the na- so that number from? Exactly. So I think they just want to try and get my attention. So what happened was five years ago, I was diagnosed with a mild sleep apnea. I Is stopped. it really mild? Because you've fallen no, asleep no, no. during our podcast multiple times. I'm falling asleep right now. That's falling as shit sometimes. Fair uh, So I had to go get a doctor's check, but they said they sent me a letter. I never received the letter. Uh, so because they didn't hear from me, they just went for the 100 years to get my attention, and they got it. 100 years. 100 years suspension. Rip That's Van ridiculous. Winkle over here. <laughs> Casanova Valentine is our special guest here tonight. Uh, welcome to On the Turnbuckle. The Bushwick Antichrist! The scum lord of the underground! The undisputed king of the no-ring deathmatch! The hipster heartthrob! Casanova Valentine is in Melbourne! And I might be stuck here. We're just going to figure it the fuck out. <laughs> I heard the first bit of that and then the rest I just went deaf. Uh, wow, that was loud. <laughs> Shit, man. I didn't hear any babies crying. <laughs> I, um, doing better than the first podcast. <laughs> uh, that was great. Fantastic. That's your normal introduction? I got to tell you, I uh, shit wrestler great promos. For the reason <laughs> yeah. I get booked. <laughs> so it, it all started because um, I was a wrestler in I'm a wrestler in New York. I went to NYWC, which is Mikey Whitbrook's school from ECW. Um, I was trained by Tony Nice, who's in WWE currently. Um, Zack Ryder, this is only my name drops. Zack Ryder, Trent Breda, uh, uh, Mikey from the Spirit Squad all came through our school. And our school gets you straight ready for TV. Like they tell you how, you know, sell, sell the camera, the countdown. It's all very, it's a very good school. Um, so I wrestled on the Indies for probably five years. It had great fucking matches. That no one ever saw or gave a fuck about, you know? Um, but you had good tights. Like great tights. I used to wear pink boots. Yeah. I used to have sweet pink. Well, I'll, you guys, I'll give you a picture of it so you can post it. <laughs> uh, but I wrestled in indies, and I did it initially because um, I just had really bad depression, and I, my life kind of had no direction. And I was like, you know, I always wanted to be a pro wrestler. I got, nothing, I got fuck all going on. Why not? So I became a pro wrestler. I went to wrestling school to kind of fill that void. And then after being on the Indies for five years, it isn't because if anyone was mean to me or anything, but it just started not being fun. After all the shit, it just wasn't fun anymore. So I was like, you know what? It's not really filling that void anymore. I did this to fight my depression, and now I'm doing this but also depressed, so I stopped. So I hadn't wrestled on the Indies for a year before I did the first no ring. Um, I bounced at a bar called Tender Trap, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, which was super cool. Sounds like a classy bar. Oh, dude, we had go-go dancers, and it was sleazy. It was hey. my cup of tea. <laughs> my kind of bar. Ah, it was great. But uh, the owners were really cool. It was like a punk rock place. They didn't really give a fuck. There was a gallery called Super Chief, which is like a famous gallery in New York. They have a location in L.A. also. And they would curate shows in the back room, like side smaller art shows. Yeah. So it was a really cool venue for art in New York and just debauchery, that go-go dancer, that, yeah. Um... And I booked an art show there. So I did this art show called Deathmatch, a tribute to pro wrestling tragedy. So it was just an art show. I did 
I did a mural. I did like big uh, portraits of Bruiser Brody, Owen Hart. So you were a painter too? Yeah, I'm a full. Yeah. I do art. Yeah, and then on in the on the back projector, I had uh, just a loop of in-ring injuries, like Sid breaking his leg, uh, Manny Fernandez giving the receipts to Invader, like the famous blood spot yeah. in Puerto Rico. So it was an art show, and I was just legit trying. Like it wasn't some. Everyone's like, "Oh, this loophole you found by calling it performance art." Oh, you're so clever. It really, the first show was an art show. Like, it was a full-blown art show. And I was trying to think of other things to do for the show. And I was like, oh, I'll wrestle someone and do a performance art piece. Legit. I know I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big, scary guy, but I actually am a big artist. And I love performance art. I know. But I was like, oh, I'll do an art piece. And I just wrestle someone for the art show. And I didn't care about heat at that time with vets because I didn't wrestle in a year. Buff uncle, fuck you. I'll just do it. I don't care. I went. To, I, you know, I'm a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. So I set up the first one, and it was just such a success that they, the venue's like, you got to do another one. So I did another one. And every show, I was making art for every show, too. And then I kept doing another one, another one. And I was like, wow, I'm making more money doing this than my normal art or my normal wrestling. So then I kind of ran with it, you know. And then in New York State, the, the commission's very strict. And then that's when that worked out. I go, oh, I can do Deathmatch in New York because I don't have a ring. And they can't shut down, like, a play with a sword fight. You know what I mean? It's like you have no call blanche over this. You know, it's not MMA. It's, you know. So that's how it all kind of happened. So I did it as an art show. It's Swan Lake with blood. Huh? Yeah. Swan Lake with blood. <laughs> yeah. That's but so far, so good, you know. So, uh, and I did, I did the first one in 2016. And now I'm in Melbourne. Look at you, motherfucker. So it worked out pretty good. So... <laughs> So people in Australia wouldn't get this because we don't have, we don't have a commission trying to pretend that wrestling sport. Mm-hmm. For Australian audiences, like what the fuck's going on with that? With a commission, so in America, it's just a, honestly, it's just a way to shake fucking people down in New York. Everything's expensive in New York, and the commission oversees boxing and MMA. So let me tell you what it would cost to run an indie show in New York. First, you need show insurance, show license, promoter license, and you also need an ambulance on call, and that's not counting renting the fucking venue. So you're looking at three grand, mm. give or take, before you even talk that's about a, booking the matches. That's a lot of hot dogs and handshakes. That's a lot of handshakes, you know? So you're already looking at three grand before you even fucking book the venue. So it's almost impossible to run, and that's why, like, we, I live in New York, which is the biggest city, one of the biggest cities. That's why there's not cool shows in Manhattan proper or in Brooklyn proper. Like, every time you see a promo, it's like, welcome to New York City. And it's 40 minutes outside of town, you know? Because they can't afford to run in the city, you know what I mean? Whereas I do my shows, I don't have a doctor. I probably should. I don't have a doctor. <laughs> I don't have in the crowd. I don't have ring. And also, I do two matches at the most. So that's only four motherfuckers to pay, and I'm one of them. So that's three people to pay. And I'm not, I'm not doing eight matches. So my overhead, and I do them at bars where I'm friends with the people, so I don't rent the venue. So I'm kind of giving away all my secrets. But I don't have a lot of overhead to do these things. So it's just more profit for me. Um, yeah, so it just worked out. In New York, it's so hard to run, but uh, you can't even do deathmatch in New York. You can't even, they can't, you know, this is a real story. They canceled a match because it was intergender. The commission canceled it and said men can't fight women. No. In 2020, in New York, they canceled the intergender match because, oh, woman can't fight a man. And they want to be a big art city. What's that? Yeah, it was crazy. So, 
it's if the commission's evolved, it's it, they're dicks in it. You know what I mean? So uh, my shit, uh, luckily, so far so good. So I just I run them and we'll see what the fuck happens. <laughs> didn't, didn't Vince tell the commissions in the early nineties that it's performance? It's a work. I don't know. <laughs> hey guys, I got a secret for you. <laughs> it's a work. Yeah. <laughs> now let's save money. So yeah, um, I've been able to run and exist in New York since 2016. The the initial run of shows were called just Deathmatch, and I feel bad because it's a, not the most creative name, but I wasn't planning on it, you know. So it was Deathmatch and Deathmatch Two, Deathmatch Three, and I got up to Deathmatch Ten, and now it's called New Fear City because I rebranded it. Now it has a name. Because before it was just like, there's no, there's no promotion. I'm just fighting a bar. So, so now it's called New Fear City. So, yeah. So, has the name Deathmatch been your biggest stopper or your biggest promotion? What? Just in, in regards to, in regards to, yeah, in regards to getting into bars and in regards to people coming. Uh, it's um, it's the thing is because the connotation of Deathmatch, if you think about it, you, people and, and and bar owners and the like are going to think, shit, is someone going to die here? Good question. I'll tell you what. I only run in um, – you know who Gigi Allen is? The punk mm-hmm. rock singer Gigi Allen from the Murder Junkies? If a venue would book Gigi Allen, they'd book me. If they wouldn't book Gigi Allen, they wouldn't book me. So I'm on the Gigi Allen scale where I go to a venue, and if it's a sleazy piece of shit place, yep. I run. I don't try to run – like we're right now in the, the Royal Mail. This place is very nice. I can't believe you wanted to do a show here. Mm. I would never even approach a place like this because I know better. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, got, table clo- it's yeah. got tablecloths. Yeah, they have tablecloths here. It's a little <laughs> too a little too nice for, for me. So usually I just run at places that don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? I look for a punk rock, do-it-yourself venue where I don't run into those hiccups. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm, I'm self-aware of what I am and what I present. You so know, I would never go to a nice posh-ass place, but hey – you got a nice thing going here. You mind if I stab a guy with a light tube? You know what I mean? Like, I'm aware of what I bring and what my shows are, you know? So, yeah. And looking at this nice venue that we're in, do you feel happy that you didn't get to run here because it is so nice? Or Yo, the owners, it would have been nice to fuck this place up? Yeah, the owner's down. I'm down. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you know what you get into. <laughs> I ran, and I'm, I'm going to call them by name, in L.A. I ran at Hi-Hat in LA and they knew what the fuck they were getting to. They saw all my videos. They, they, I, I opened for this band called the Minx, um, really good friends of mine. Um, and they knew what it was. I was like, there's going to be blood. There's going to be light tubes. And after I did the show, they charged me $400 for a cleaning fee. And I was adamantly fighting. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's all my money. Like, did they have a carpet? They they did have a carpet and I ended up doing a one light tube on the floor. But they never said you couldn't, don't do this. They, I remember one guy said, try not to. If you say try not to, that wasn't <laughs> yeah. don't. So it was really frustrating. Um, so now I don't even attempt. If a place is a little hesitant, I just don't even run, you know? Um, plus, I, I live in New York, so there's plenty of places that want it, you know what I mean? Especially with the, the buzz it has. So people come to me. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not actively searching for places. Ooh. They come to me and I, I'll, I'll make it work. So as long as they know what it is. If you let Gigi Allen shit on your floor, you'll let me come fight. You know? <laughs> now, I, I've been to Bunnings and fluoro tubes are worth six or eight bucks each. Uh, do you get them cheap? I get them donated. You do? Yeah. From, dis- from destroyed buildings and stuff? I just like. know a bunch of shitty people and they're yeah. like, I got some tubes. You want them? Cass? I go, yeah, sure. I'll come pick them up. <laughs> yeah, I don't buy them at face value. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> 
we went to the show Deathmatch Down Under, the first one. And Against Joel Bateman. So you beat the piss out of Joel Bateman? He has some good punches in there, though. He, he held up, yeah. He's sitting there the, looking at him. I've seen the back of his head. He's he got, you can see that brains one. that, that <laughs> scars that one. Which confirms that he's got them. Yeah, that's a true good point. Zinc. <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was fun. Like it really fit in with the venue. There yeah. were some really cool p- punk bands that played before. Yeah. Like it was uh, it was fun. And the beauty is you can't really tell the difference between a wrestling fan and a punk fan. Yeah. Because we're all wearing black t-shirts. Yeah. So like, the, so what I do is so like when I was breaking in on the indies, every indie show is like brightly lit in a middle school gym or a VFW hall. Do you have that? Like a armory or something we don't go to war yeah. that often yeah. unless so, you tell uh, us to so all the shows in the states are like a brightly lit high school gym out in the middle of bumfuck like i can never get my cool it sounds like but i can never get my cool city friends hey guys this saturday you want to drive an hour and a half outside the city on a saturday and watch me wrestle in front of children and then ruin saturday because we won't get back till five in the morning and the bars are closed they're like, no, I want to stay in the city and fuck whores. <laughs> they can't do that, you know? So it was like, it was pulling teeth to get anyone to come to my shows. It, you know, it's like you can't, it wasn't dope. It wasn't cool. So I was like, why don't, instead of trying to get people to come to a show, why don't you run a show where people already are in the city, in a dope bar? And then when the show's done, guess what? We're in a bar and we just keep drinking. You know what I mean? So... For me, especially because, like, I do family-friendly shows. I do any kind of wrestling you need. I can feel, I can wrestle lucha. I can do comedy. I did a show with Joey Ryan and Orange Cassidy in a triple threat. I can do any style you want. But for New York City and the scene there, it's like no one's trying to go t- to an indie show. I never want to wrestle in front of someone with a Bullet Club shirt on. I only want to <laughs> wrestle in front of cool people. You know what I mean? So... I just cut the middleman out. Sure. And I just I Sorry, Gino. I've got to wear mine tonight, too. Lucky mine's in the wash. Yeah, I just wanted people to come to, like, a cool thing, and that's why I don't book them like wrestling shows. It's not eight matches. It's two matches and bands, and it's more of, like, a wild event or, like, an oddity. You know what I mean? It's not – I'm not trying to structure a wrestling show, you know? I just want it to be a fun party where a fight breaks out and the bouncers just let it go, basically. It's, it's basically like the town we grew up in. Yeah, we grew Werribee. up in Werribee. Yeah. That's like Friday. Yeah, that's, that, that's Friday, Friday night at the yeah. Tudor Inn, yeah. <laughs> which is now yeah. the Park Hotel. Yeah, there's no yeah. Like, And that wasn't your Challenge only accepted. match of the night on uh, Friday night. Yeah, so, so Friday. F- yeah, so Friday I wrestled Joel Bateman. Um, I think we went like 20 minutes. You, how long we think? 20, 22. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Good uh, workout. Joel felt every minute of that. <laughs> <laughs> so we went. Um, oh, yeah, no, no. Stab. <laughs> uh, real quick before I get to that. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up watching, you know, FMW Deathmatch, right? And I loved Masada Tanaka. I loved Hayabusa. I loved the guys that did all cool moves. And I hated Mr. Pogo. I go, this fat fuck has no talent and stabs people. 30 years later... I do no moves. I'm fat <laughs> as fuck, and I stab people. But you got talent. Yeah, but now I'm like, Mr. Pogo's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> he was on to something. He was on to something. <laughs> oh, it's working out on cardio. What do you, you just stab him? <laughs> you stab him. It's all you need. So, uh, but yeah, so back. 
I wrestled Joel Friday at Deathmatch Down Under 1, and then we added uh, the Totes Hotel, I think, with a day's... Uh, what the, a great pub. Yeah, a, a day or two before, and then it was me and the Butcher and uh, Sicko Smacks and a triple threat. And um, what was cool about that show is I met up with the, Colin the Butcher and Smacks before, and we kind of got like a gist of the finish. And then like, I showed up like, hey, what do we do? Like, we got like maybe two more ideas. Like, all right, we'll call it quick. And then we just called it real fast. So I literally finished that bar, bar open, covered in blood, walked to the other venue. The limo picked you up. Yeah, I walked <laughs> to the other venue. We get upstairs. I meet up with Butcher and Smacks. And the band just finished. They're like, you're on in five. And I go, fuck. But uh, I think for what it was, it was still pretty good. Right? You think yeah. so, Butcher? Yeah. No, I've seen the match. Yeah. yeah. So I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Um, I, was, I said on the other podcast before I did this one, I was like, here's a great idea. I just wrestled 25 minutes with Joel. The match starts, right? You both jump on me, throw me through a table. I lay down for seven minutes. <laughs> and you guys go do whatever. I'll come back later so I can, you know, take a break. It was the Kurt Angle spot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm the big king. In tag matches, I go, I'm the big guy. Tag me in for the the comeback. That's it, brother. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, chip, I'm tipping some of the people that watch your kind of wrestling. have never seen it before, so they're in bars and it just comes to them. Have you ever been mistaken for Mick Foley? What's funny is last time I talked to Mick, he goes, oh, you're the guy that everyone harasses me about. Yeah, because I just look, you know, I have a very, well, I didn't help myself that at uh, CCW for Tournament of Death last year. Um, so Tournament of Death is like, you know, even though CCW is not what it was, I still consider Tournament of Death to be like the WrestleMania of death matches. So I wanted to do something, you know, I could come out every round just more covered in blood. So the second round, I came out in a Cactus Jack shirt with a barber cross, like he oh, came out nice. for the IWA Deathmatch Tournament in Japan, yeah. which is like the iconic. So I didn't do myself any favors by actually dressing as him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now when people get, I can't get mad that they compare me to Mick because I literally dress as him. <laughs> and that, and I've seen that video. You no. do a striking resemblance. Yeah. In that shirt. I got a, a fat ass and I bleed a lot, so you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but once the body's fucked. Putting a sock on the hand, it might be a good idea. Yeah, well, that match was great. I, I did the soccer with barbed wire to uh, uh, Dan O'Hare in that match. Um, but, yeah, that was great because what was great about that match was the first round I had a really brutal match with Big Joe from the U.K. from Rise Underground. Super brutal. We did barbed wire boards. And the second match was easy because I just did Mick Foley moves. So it wasn't <laughs> even hard. I was like, oh, he actually double arm PDT. Elbow drop, pulling pile drive, like his boost is pretty easy to do. So <laughs> that match was pretty late on me. You know, so <laughs> he doesn't listen. You'll be fine with this. <laughs> you know what's funny though is um, the first time I met Mick Foley, um, he's huge. You don't realize how big he is. I'm like six two, six three. He's taller than me. He's a large guy. Because you're so used to Undertaker just beating the fuck out of him, you don't realize. He's a big guy because you don't think of him as big. Yeah. Because Undertaker's like seven foot, but I met him and he was bigger than me, and I like I didn't realize it how big he was. And he was always hunched over. And he's yeah, even he's hunched weird. over, he's still he's a big guy. Um, you never really put it to, you know, in the scale because Undertaker is a fucking giant of a man. You know what I mean? But yeah, everyone always like online people are like, oh, you like, you like Bruiser Brody or Mick Foley? I'm like those guys are 
way bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you spoke about your time in indie wrestling at the start. Were you an ECW disciple? I would grow... So I am 33... So I remember being nine years old, and also staying up when you're nine is the hardest. Well, you're not like, allowed to for starters. Yeah. Well, I remember like now I'm up till six in the morning all the time. But then it was like work. I remember forcing myself to stay up, and ECW would run on MSG Network, which is the Madison Square Garden Network. <laughs> I would force myself to stay up, oh, and I put in a blank VHS VHS tape and record. That's how old I am. VHS yeah, tapes. Yeah, yeah. I would. Trust me, for Tony, VHS tapes <laughs> is new technology. <laughs> I, no. have, I have beat them before VHS. <laughs> so I would record ECW uh, every Saturday, and that's how I got into like, I remember I, you know, I grew up on Hulk Hogan, and my favorite wrestler was Papa Shango. I remember growing up on – I love Papa Shango. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I, grew up on, I grew up on old wrestling, and I remember I just stumbled on ECW by accident. My older brother was babysitting me. And I was up late, and it was Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio. Tina won a death match was the 10 count. Oh. And blowing my fucking feeble mind, because I'd only seen Hulk Hogan and that style, and seeing these guys, like, fighting out in the street, her Karana's on a car, I'm like, what the fuck? And my mind was melted, and I was hooked. So every Saturday, I would get up and record it. And then from there, I would go to indie shows, and I would take my fucking tapes and copy them. I had two v, v, uh, VHS, and I would copy them, and I would trade just recorded tapes, and that's how I discovered FMW, and that's how I discovered all this other wild shit. One more thing which is real funny is to think my dad was just letting me watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm 10 years old, and Onita has a sickle in his gut, and, Bishop, and my dad's like, yeah, this is fine. This is fine content for you. You know, like, <laughs> mum would be saying, "Yeah, it's the boy," and dad would be like, "Yeah, he's fine." He's yeah, fine. don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I remember the first Japanese death match I got was the uh, pool death match. Uh, Onita, Mike Awesome. It's like it's like a multiple man, and Mr. Pogo literally is like <laughs> killing Onita. And my dad just—I remember him walking and be like, huh, and walking by and just like let it go. So I blame Onita and. Cactus Jack for who I am as a person today because I probably wouldn't be covered in scars talking to you. It didn't mind fuck me at 10. <laughs> and your mom blames your dad. Yeah, and my mom blames my dad for a lot of things. So <laughs> <laughs> when we look at wrestling, uh, our, our legends are probably of the more popular style. Don't point at everyone. Uh, well, not everyone, no. But <laughs> I'm assuming that your legends of wrestling are more guys like, as you, the couple you just mentioned, Sabu, those sort of guys. Well, here's the thing is, I'm very lucky that I had a cool older brother. So, I love Sabu. Sabu was my favorite growing up. I love Sabu, Hayabusa, Masa, Tanaka. But, because I had a cool older brother, I, I love Ox Baker, I love Bruiser Brody, I love Blackjack Mulligan. And I think that's I, I honestly think that's why I'm a little bit it sounds like but a little bit better than some people is because I study old heels I study old tapes I don't just go oh I, I'm I'm 19 I watch the Attitude Era no I go all the way back I watch everything like my my original finishing move was just an Iron Claw because I want to do a Black Jack Mulligan throwback so I'm into old wrestling I study tape I love Ox Baker the heat Ox Baker used to get uh, you know the great heart puncher. I killed two men in the ring. That's like fucking scary, cool yeah. shit. And his look was all match. So 
I grew up with what I grew up with, but I'm honestly a student of wrestling, and I, I love all old wrestling, I, and I study old wrestlers, and old stuff becomes new again all the time, and it's simple. Like, Arn Anderson does the fake punch, they duck, and he DDTs him. I remember a video that surfaced, and then people start doing it again. It's simple stuff like that that comes back around. So, you know, I would, you know, I do nerve holds. I do old school nerve holds. I do an iron claw. So a lot of my moveset is old wrestling, and people haven't seen it so long, and maybe in the early 2000s, they oh, that's lame. But now comes back around, and it's interesting. You know what I mean? So I love old school wrestling. I love all wrestling. I watch World of Sports, Smoky Mountain, Deathmatch. Like, if you, if you were, like, a Jim Cornette guy, you see me, like, oh, this fat fuck fights in a bar. He doesn't know anything about wrestling. He's just swimming tubes. But it's actually the complete opposite. I love wrestling. I love storytelling. I consider it a craft. I'm super fucking into it. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I've noticed this week is there seems to be a lot of Jim Cornette fans in the Australian wrestling scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fuck Jim Cornette. There you go. <laughs> but Hey, Jim, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a few other people. Um, but there is a place for storytelling within deathmatch wrestling, and I know that's Absolutely. something that you're actually quite passionate about. Yeah. Um, that's the thing is, you could look on on the surface, big oh, he's fighting people in bars, and, and yeah, it's not for everybody. You know what I mean? And I could see some old heads not liking that. I even have people that help train me that don't like it, and that's fine, and that's their prerogative, and I'm not going to get upset. It's not for everybody. I'll be the first one to tell you. Even horror movies aren't for everybody, you know? I can't show Cannibal Holocaust to my aunt. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not for fucking her, you know? And you have to not get butt hurt. Like, when people don't like me, I don't get take it personally. I go, it's just not for you. But to try to say what I do isn't wrestling or to, to degrade it, it's just not for you. It's just a different genre, you know? I'm probably, like, the grindcore of wrestling. You know what I mean? It's, it's extreme music. It's... It's not, it's just not for you. Like, uh, you can't look at a Pollock paintings covered in stuff and be like, this isn't photorealism. It's not art. Fuck you. There's different types of art. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you, there's intergender wrestling's on the rise. You've got Joy Ryan doing dick flips. I think there's enough wrestlers and enough genres and enough different things that people like. There's room for everyone at the table. There's different flavors of ice cream. Oh, you don't like vanilla? That's fine, but don't fuck vanilla. You just don't like vanilla, you know what I mean? So I think if everyone kept, like, an open mind about it. So that's where, like, I like Jim Cornette's insight. I can respect that he's been around the business. Same thing with Buddy Rogers. Uh, I think he has tons of knowledge to pass on to young wrestlers. But, of course, they're not going to like the shit I do. And I get it. But it's not the end of the world if you don't like it. They need to calm down, you know what I mean? Like, they see it on the surface and they hate it, but... It's just not for you, bud. You know what I mean? Have you spoken uh, to them about it? I Steve know Josh? Buddy Rogers. He's, I've done Buddy Rogers seminars, and he's a great mind for it. But, of course, he wouldn't like the blood and stuff. But you just got to open your mind up and just know, oh, there's other avenues. There's other things. There's not one right way or wrong way. But, if he's, a, but if he's a student of wrestling, uh, that was commonplace, even, even in the more popular forms of WWF. Dude, people used to that. wrestle bears. They used to wrestle a fucking bear. So, you know, so the Sheik, the original Sheik, yeah. was stabbing people. Yeah, uh, a duel of the butcher, a bruiser Brody. Yeah, I didn't. Look, so by the way, so people that don't like deathmatch, they just aren't knowledgeable of wrestling. Uh, fucking uh, Tully Blanchard and yeah, Tully Blanchard and Dusty Rhodes in a barbed wire ladder match. 
You know what I mean? The bushwhackers, the sheep herders, bloody fucking matches. So uh, Bruce and Brody would do barber matches in Puerto Rico. So if you don't think Deathmatch has a place, you're just not well-versed in, in wrestling. It's, I didn't I didn't incorporate it. Was, Castle Valentine didn't bring barber hair to Deathmatch. It's been around since the 80s. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't like – and it's like anything else. It's just been revved up. Like flippy spots, they got over the top. Well, that, the violence got revved up. The times moved on. You know what I mean? So I'm just a product of the time. I live in a very violent, revved up, you know? But there was deathmatch and violent wrestling way before me. And can't blame me. You know? Maybe just they just pissed off because you don't use a ring. But why does it have to be in a ring? It's so arbitrary. Yeah. This, is what I, this is what I wanted to talk about because in Australia, obviously, we've never really done wrestling outside of the ring. But with the success of the Deathmatch Down Under Tour, even though we've only had the, two. One, the <laughs> two matches, the, the tickets were selling amazingly for the third show yeah. as well. What I want to talk about is companies like DDT are doing matches in trampoline parks and, yeah. and at water parks. There's nothing really limiting what a wrestling show can be except for people's imagination. But Exactly. So why can't it not be in a ring? Why do you have this, like... This notion it has to be in a ring. I don't understand. I'm a real person, and most of the fights I've really been in haven't been in a ring. So if it, you know, so that's another thing is people that don't like deathmatch, they like to they like to say it's garbage wrestling. But if you're like Jim Cornette and some of those guys, they should like me because what I do is the most real it could fucking be. You know what I mean? Like deathmatch, dude. It's but it's as real. <laughs> like the the blood's real. Nothing I do looks fake. Like, I lay all my shots in. Joel will fucking tell you. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, so if the if the point is realism, like, why would you not like what I do? Like, there's nothing more real than seeing a guy that looks like me fighting in a bar. That's about as real. I'm not doing flips or run spots. You know what I mean? I'm, not doing, glass. I'm not doing lucha rolls. Like, it's, it's as real as pro wrestling could be. You know what I mean? So I don't really understand some of that hate because if you're one of those purists that needs to be real, well, this is pretty fucking. It's like 80, it's like seventy percent real, you know. And let's be honest, some of the wrestling that we see in the the mainstream type of wrestling, the best wrestling is outside the ring when they're throwing blokes into the gates, uh, the side fencing, and when they're throwing blokes into the German announcers table and all yeah, that. Yeah, it's when it revs it up. Yeah. You can but say that. I really like rest holds. <laughs> I like a good chin lock. I like eight super kicks. Yeah, yeah that's where I'm at. You know what though? The thing is... just builds too. Like, you know, one super kick was good in the 90s and like you said, it escalates. But the thing is, they'll all come back around. Yeah. Eventually, some guy will come back and just do it for his finish and it's one. And it'll just... The, the cycle will repeat itself. You know what I mean? Like, you can get anything over uh, my finishing move used to be a fucking iron claw, and it was still over. You know, you, you like it all goes in waves. Everything's up, everything comes down. You know. Um, I doubt we're gonna go back to the abdominal stretch being a finisher. Dude, I'm gonna abdominal stretch you right now. I'm pretty wrong. <laughs> <laughs> stretch the fuck out. Please, <laughs> I'm out of here. Please do. But uh, yeah, it's just you just have to keep an open mind. Just know that everything might. I mean, I don't like tons of run spots personally, but that's my. But who am I to say, talk shit about anyone else? I do <laughs> bar fights, you know? But just keep it in mind. Just know what you like, what you don't like. Like, I love Zona 23 in Mexico. They do junkyard fights. I love oh, that cool. shit. Yeah. It's fucking fun. Yeah. It's like Street Fighter. It's sweet. Um, you know, just just like what you like and ignore what you don't, you know? 
Who would you love to get into a bar fight that you think would blow people's minds? Like, uh, like in a, like, uh, no, no, in a, in a, in a no ring death match. Who would I? Well, and I would, then in a real bar fight as well. I'll give, I'll give you both. I would love to do Jimmy Havoc in, in one, either in the UK or here, um, because I just yeah. think. Right now in FM, M- M- MLW, it's him and Mancer going back and forth all these death matches, and I'm I'm in a weird boat where like I'm the biggest guy outside of Game Changer Wrestling, and so I don't wrestle with them, but I'm like the the biggest, but not on TV, you know. So I'm in a weird boat where I'm trying to cross that bridge, and I don't see any reason why I can't. I wrestled Mancer before, and I don't see why I can't be that next step so right now i'm like this weird point where it's like i travel the whole world and i do it but i'm just not on tv so i i would love to wrestle like jimmy havoc or someone like that just go to a bar he's at there's a big chance yeah he'll probably be there (laughs) but you know i just know that i'm capable of wrestling on tv Uh, i think especially with what i do with my character work and my facials and stuff that i like outside looking in saying oh this guy fights in bars what the fuck's that but if you actually watch it, you'd be like, oh, this guy's great for TV, you know? So I'm trying to – that's my goal is to get on – well, who knows if when, when indie wrestling comes back. Uh, <laughs> but when it does, that's my next step is I want to get to the level of, like, Jimmy Havoc, you know, where I I do this stuff. But I don't want No Ring to be my, my mountaintop. The Vice article wasn't my mountaintop. Coming to Australia and do No Ring isn't my mountaintop. And – I'm not going to be like Virgil, you know, at some con be like, I did the bar fights, you know, <laughs> that's not my thing. I, I'm known for it, but I'm ready for the next step, you know. So, so what is your mountaintop? My mountaintop's a fucking TV contract, yeah. you know, and uh, I think I'm good enough to do it. I, 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 I'm just confident that I can, you know, um, I'd either like to do if I could just do a tour of Japan or TV in any capacity, NWA, MLW, Impact. Uh, I could retire and feel good. You know, I won't have any, oh, you know, I didn't do it. And I think I'm capable of it. I think within this year, something, I'll take that next step, you know? Well, there's so many different platforms out there, streaming services. A few years ago, someone like Mansa wouldn't be having this success he's having right now without those things. So nothing... Well, can I tell you this? There's, There's Impact, NXT... Uh, Impact NXT, MLW, NWA. And I was like, dude, if I don't end up on TV in the hottest time, I'm <laughs> real shit. <laughs> There's like eight promotions now. I can't, yeah, you know. But uh, I think it's coming. So I just got to keep plugging away, keep doing me. The thing is, I don't – I think of it like this. If there's a car driving at night with its headlights on, you can only see so much in front of you, but you know where you're going. I know where I want to get, but I don't necessarily know how I'm going to get there. But if I keep plugging away and keep going, I'll eventually get there, you know? So, it's got to keep doing Is there a chance so that you could be, for want of a better word, typecast in what you do? And does that, could that preclude you from doing well, anything? Well, you got to think how good it is for TV. Like, I mean, the promo's already there in my head. I go, I'm willing to crawl on glass and barb wire to be here. You you don't want it as bad as me. I want it so fucking bad, I'll do three death matches in a row and show up the next day and do another two death matches. Like, you can't even hold a candle to me. You know what I mean? So I, I can wrestle without the death, and I don't mind being the hardcore guy. I mean, Dean Ambrose, was, you know, used to do death match. Yeah. Um, 
I prefer doing deathmatch, but I want to get on TV. So unfortunately, there's only a limited amount of death I can do on TV. You know? But AEW have done pretty yeah. close to a deathmatch on TV. Yeah. That must actually give you confidence. Yeah, and I would love to beat the fuck out of Joey Janela on TV. That'd be great for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd pay for that. <laughs> yeah, that would be great for me. I love You'd to fuck him too. up. <laughs> What about your time in Melbourne? Uh, you've been uh, seeing our lovely parks. I've been stuff drunk like, the, drunk whole the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I've been having a wonderful time. Uh, I lo- I'm lucky that uh, you know I know Joel. Joel's been taking care of me. Um, I had some other friends who I've been friends with online, and uh, met you weren't them. catfished. I weren't catfished. Yeah. They were as ugly as I thought they were. <laughs> it was all my guy friends. Yeah. But uh, I've had fun. I've had a really great time. Uh, I leave Saturday, but it's beautiful weather, weather here. I've been, like, just going out and having fun, and I was just telling Joel, I'm like, if I get trapped here for 30 days, not the worst thing that's ever happened. This is pretty – it's beautiful here. It's nice out. And I'm in no rush to go home because I lost my shoot job, and all my bookings are gone. So what's the rush to go home and fight someone over toilet paper? I don't know. What's, what's the rush to do that? You, know? you could stay here and fight over toilet paper. Yeah, or just, yeah, just stay here and have a good time, yeah. Toilet paper on a pole mat. Yeah. Boom. I think that already happened already. Yeah. I actually think someone already jumped on it and did that. Yeah. Actually, I've got to ask you. Yeah. The shit that we've seen around here in the last week or two in regards to this whole coronavirus stuff, does it surprise you or are we just the same as what would probably be happening back at home for you? No, back home's real fucked. Back home is like nuts. People keep texting me. I was so funny. Uh, my one buddy Nick texted me and he's like, dude, oh my God, all my – he's an f- uh, event photographer. Yeah. He's like, all my bookings are – fucked they're thinking about like suspending rent so people can make it through and he was losing his mind and as he's texting me that i was sitting outside with sunglasses on on a tinder date eating a steak (laughs) and i go yeah same over here bro (laughs) so it's way better over here no rush yeah so fuck them (laughs) yeah what's their plans to come back once Joel, when I'm coming back, rest, wrestling uh, gets back oh, on its feet. I don't need that kind of pressure. Uh, when, when, it, when wrestling gets back on its feet, um, I would love to come back. I owe the Butcher and Smacks like a proper match yep. um, in Damien River because we did that second match just on five minutes calling. And you slept for seven minutes of it. Yeah, I slept <laughs> for seven minutes of it. But uh, you guys, like, so as an American, we, we know Cracker Jack. Mad Dog and Vixen are probably the the people on Americans' radar if you're into the subgenre of deathmatch. But I'm glad that I came here and I worked Colin the Butcher and Smacks and Joel because you have good wrestling here. And I want to sh- them to come up. I want you guys to get new stars and get them to travel because that's good for everybody. If you guys can make stars here and then build them up, me coming here and building them up, and they help build me up, and it looks cool for me to come here. It looks cool for them to come there. And then same thing happened with me and Big Joe. Big Joe's uh, the champion for Rise Underground. I wrestled him once at the Gathering of the Juggalos, ICP <laughs> Gathering of Juggalos. We wrestled, and we had a great match, and then he got me to the U.K., and I beat him for the belt, and then he came and wrestled me in Vegas. And then we did TOD opening round, and now we're worth more money than we were. And the goal for any route, there's two types of vets. There's a guy who's like, I'm getting my shit in and you're losing. Or there's a, a guy who's, oh, I want to get your shit in, make you look good, 
and then we're all worth more money coming out of it. And that's the way it should be. You know, I want to help the scene here if I can. You know, I'm lucky I'm in a position I can because I'm an okay wrestler. I'm not great, but I've been able to get my shit over. So if I can give back to anywhere else and help them build those scene, you know, why not? And then we're all worth money. I want to come back. So, of course, I want to build these guys up and build intrigue. And uh, so me and the Butcher and Smacks, we did a quick one, but I feel like I owe it to them to do a real called match where we take our time and we go 25 minutes and put on a great show. And then afterwards, that video will come out, and people will know Colin the Butcher. People will know Smacks. People will know Joel. And then they're worth more money. And then they can start. The goal is to all come up. I want us all on TV. We're all chasing the same dream, you know? So uh, let's make money, you know? <laughs> of course, because U.S. Customs and Border Force actually listened to us after JXT was sent back. <laughs> Anyone that goes over there will be on the right visas. On work visas? Yeah, yeah. if they go over to America. Of course. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure of that course. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, you know. Cut that out, Tony. Work <laughs> visas. <laughs> you got to risk it for the biscuit. No, they just sat at the bar and the fight broke out. What are they uh, meant yeah. to do? Yeah, what do you want me to do? And they also pay me, a, they pay me a lot of money. It was weird. <laughs> we really hated that guy. Then here's all that money for that. But what, what your trip has done is I've heard from a number of Australian wrestlers who are well-renowned that have spoken about being fans of the death match. And yeah. now they want to do death matches. And I, th oh, I feel like... Thing. I feel like there could be an outbreak of the they No Ring Death tingle. Match. They could tingle, yeah. I mean, put yourself in my shoes. I did the first No Ring Death Match in 2016 in New York. Since then, there's Time Bomb Wrestling in Dakota. There's No Peace Underground in Orlando. And there's one shitty one in L.A., right? <laughs> um, and since then, think how weird it is for me. I was just depressed and did an art show, <laughs> right? And now there's full-blown no-ring promotions that exist. Because of you. Because of me. And I did the first no-ring death match in the UK. I did the first no-ring death match in fucking Australia. Canada's done like five without me. No one's <laughs> called me yet, but they keep doing them, you They're know? building up to you. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I, how many people, and I'm very humbled and honored to say it, but how many people could say in the late 2000s, they added a whole fucking genre to wrestling. So whether you hate me or not, you think I'm a fat schlub, I can't work, yada yada, you can't take away the fact that I influence modern wrestling. Even the other day, Bray Wyatt tweeted out, hey, I want to fight John Cena in a no-ring bar fight. You know, it, it's undeniable. You can mock me if you want. You can think what I do is trash. But the fact of the matter is I've influenced current wrestling Fuck you. <laughs> well, hopefully one day Bray Wyatt can say, I want to fight Casanova Valentine. When he's all washed up, I'll kick his ass on the indies. <laughs> <laughs> who's, the, who's the most surprising person who's uh, got in contact with you and wanted to do a no-ring death match? Zack Sabre Jr. He, he opened for me. How fucking weird is that? <laughs> it's pretty Z fucking I have mutual friends with him in New York, and he hit me up. Originally, he wanted to just DJ one of my shows. And then... Uh, He's like, why don't I just wrestle? I go, why don't you? <laughs> and uh, here's the popular misconception with my shows. This is, like, if you don't like me, one of the heats you'd have with me is, like, Casanova's this fat guy from New York who books people to fight him in a bar. That's so far, far from the truth. I started doing these with local guys for fun, right? The first couple shows, I didn't even charge a cover, you know? And then they started getting bigger and bigger, and then more people asked me to wrestle me. I'm not going to say no when Masada and Matt Tremont want to wrestle me. I mean, I paid them the same as I pay myself. I split the door between the other wrestler and the band. It's not some weird ego 
side project where I'm like, yeah, I'm stroking my dick. Like, yeah, yo, yeah. I really paid that guy a lot of money to win this fake fight. You know what I mean? It just, I organically built. You know what I mean? And then Zack Sabre asked me to wrestle. When I'm going to say no, hey, man, this is kind of just a small thing I do. So fuck off. No, I'm like, yeah, if you want to get paid 200 bucks in a bar on a Wednesday, I'd love to have you. So he wrestled Chuck Taylor. And I think that's originally what helped the boom is I did Masada first, and he was the first big-name guy. He hit me up to do one. Zack Sabre versus Chuck got all of wrestling's attention, and Deadspin did an arcer on it. And then the Vice dot came out, and now it's just been, you know, rolling and rolling, getting bigger and bigger. And, uh, and now I'm in Australia. You know, I never thought I'd ever be in Australia, but here the fuck I am, so... But an absolute pleasure, Casanova Valentine, to have you on. I talk a program. lot. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. It's We'd rather good. that than not talk at all. Mate, congratulations on your career so far. We hope it gets bigger and better yeah. in the years to come. And Thank thanks you. for popping out and having a chat to us and doing what you're doing. We hope to see you again soon. I fucking lo- would love to come back. No pressure, Joel, but I'd love to come <laughs> back. <laughs> so hopefully I'll be back here soon. Uh, and if the world doesn't end. But if the world does end, I said in the other podcast, I'm going to be quite the warlord, so I'm very excited to uh, survive the apocalypse. And uh, well, you can't be worse than Scotty from marketing, who's running us at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. I Get appreciate it. Greg the Hammer, so, sorry, Casanova Valentine. Greg the Hammer, that's actually <laughs> my <laughs> uncle. <laughs> that's Do you know Greg the Hammer? Do you know he's my uncle? Did you know that? Yeah, I don't actually tell people this. Do you know that? Is no, he really? That. Greg the Hammer Valentine's my shoe uncle. So you're the second wow. one from your family to be on yeah. our podcast. It's my it's my mom's brother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully. No, you one, I actually don't tell people that because they expect more out of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ah, you should be better at this. <laughs> well, hopefully next time. No we get figure to, fours. Yeah. Hopefully next time we get to have a chat, we'll be saying. Uh, no ring deathmatch hall of famer <laughs> we'll see yeah i have to build the hall of fame i had to build the no ring i had to build the hall of fame too the WWE didn't build one yeah <laughs> Casanova valentine joining us here on the turnbuckle <laughs> this is my brutality And welcome back, part two of our On the Turnbuckle show this week. Where are we? We are at the Royal Mail Hotel in Spencer Street, live podcast. Fantastic to hear the crowd out there. Great stuff. Well done. Thank you for coming well, along. Well, it was meant to be a live podcast, but well, it is. We are it's kind of one. We've got a handful of people We're here. running from our version of the PC. Yes. <laughs> um, the voice you could hear is our special guest, Joel Bateman. Just it was special the first couple there of There are a few now people still here, even though even though we're, we did cancel the event. There are a few people here. I'm just going to ask one of them, like, sorry, uh, why did you come along today? Well, I figured if I didn't show up, I wouldn't be able to listen because Tony would have forgotten to record. <laughs> you smell us. Oh, wow. Seriously. Look, I, I'm going to take 10 seconds. Nicolette, uh, this, is, this was meant to be his last Melbourne wrestling show that got cancelled. He's moving to Adelaide, and I mean, 90% of what everyone internationally sees of Melbourne wrestling comes from Nick. And After that comment, it won't be a fucking loss, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> take it up with your gout, Tony. Tony, uh, Tony in fairness, though, you, you did fuck up last week. So I did. 
I did, yes. and I apologise to everybody. No, Joel, continue. That was heartfelt. It was. Um, Nick spends countless hours putting over Melbourne Wrestling, regardless of the company, regardless of the political affiliation, and he's moving to Adelaide for work. And I, I can't wait to see that everybody else sees how good the South Australian wrestling scene is because everyone sees how good the Victorian wrestling scene is, largely in part because of what he does. So, Vale. Yeah, well done, Nick. No, it is true. <laughs> he, um, he spends a lot of money to do it too. So, yep. if any of the promotions want to chop him out and give him a free... Pop him a ticket? Oh, should be no, no, not even that, I'm not talking about tickets. I'm talking about a free subscription to their online services so that he actually can gift your shows and so not, he's, he's and not costing him money. Like, he's helping you get noticed. Well, promoters need to do this. And, and we've got promoters here in Melbourne that do it very well. But promoters around Australia need to do this. And if well, there's guys that are writing about you and, and putting you over as a promotion... You need to have them in as your media and a guest and you look after them and that's the way it should be. Well, this was a big thing in the US like a month ago. Uh, so, what is it? Mr. Lariato? Got the, the UK. Uh, is he a UK guy? Yeah. But he used to gif all the top American indies and Fight TV shut him down for a copyright violation. Yeah, which is weird. And, but like 90, oh, look, I'll drop it back, 70% of Game Changer Wrestling success and a lot of the relevance that comes from PWG now all came through the gifts that he'd put out. Like, if somebody is gifting your promotion, on the downside, people see your product. On the upside, it goes viral and sends your company to the fucking moon. I've bought shows based on a couple of gifts I've seen from them. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, like, running a GIF account, seeing, like, Lariato's account get shut down... Because from when he's just trying to support promotions, it's quite scary because we're just trying to support promotions, and they're like, thought like I we're trying it. to build a following so more people see your wrestling, and if our accounts get shut down, we have to start completely over. So seeing Lariato get shut down was quite a like scary thing. Mm rather giffers because we have to completely start from scratch if that happened. But the thing is what happened is the entire internet wrestling community came to his defense. Everybody went to Fight TV and went, look, I understand where you're coming from. Nobody thinks you're in the wrong here, but... Everyone thought they were in the wrong because they were at the same time running a competition for people to send in their best gifts. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, that was... That was poor marketing. I haven't gifted with Fight TV since because I'm like, I don't want to risk it. But this is the thing. All the promotions that run on Fight TV, a large amount of the success is contributed to people like him. And it goes back to what you've done for Victorian wrestling, and I'm really excited for what you can do for South Australian wrestling. As long as you keep doing it for Victorian wrestling. Oh, yeah. No, look, we'll all send you uh, passwords to our streaming accounts. But um, South Australia, very much like Queensland, is the ugly stepchild of Australian wrestling. Not a lot of people see the cool stuff that comes out of there. And there's amazing wrestlers in South Australia that we as more than casual followers of Australian wrestling know about, but the wider community don't. And people like yourself are the bridge between the hundred people who go to a community centre in North Adelaide and watch, you know, two really good wrestlers beat the dog shit out of each other that no one's going to see except them and the wider wrestling community who are losing their mind over, you know, things that potentially get gift from companies that are more accessible to people like yourself, Nick. So I, I can't wait to see, especially in this time period where there are no live events and hopefully you can get access to the back catalogs of these promotions to beginning to show people what's on offer when this is all lifted and 
we can all move on from this. And luckily, good timing on that, that Wrestle Rampage has just started their on-demand service, so there will be gifts coming from that because, like, promotions at Adelaide are starting to put their shows up online, so we will be able to gift it and help them showcase their talent online. Fantastic, because uh, as we said a few weeks ago, if it wasn't for gifts... Our uh, mate Royce Chambers wouldn't be over in Japan at the moment. Well, there you yeah. go. Because no one would have heard yep. of him. He said that was because of me. <laughs> no, well, he was lying. Yeah. Uh, coronavirus, boys, it's uh, messed up everything right around the world, including wrestling. Uh, here in Australia, promotions are pulling out of shows all yeah. around the place. There are a couple of shows running this weekend, which I'm quite surprised about. PWA running without an audience yeah. in their show. And PCW Ignition, the same. Yeah, yep. no audience. That's on the Saturday night as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's over the last two days, dropping like flies. Everyone postponing their events. Um, you know, it's it's sad. Obviously, um, hopefully fans can get behind the subscriptions because obviously these promotions aren't going to be bringing any revenue for. It could be a couple of months. Could mm. be longer. Um, the back catalogue of some of these companies are great. Yeah. So what we're what we're hoping to do is bring a few of the promoters on over the next few weeks, so they can talk about what they're doing to um, grow their subscriptions and also to provide some new exciting content. Yep. Um, I'm hoping next week that I'm in negotiations to try and get Mikey J to have a chat next week. So hopefully he'll be the first. And I hope he comes on. Well, he said yes, but then he said touch base with me Monday. So uh, we'll see well, how we like- go. Can, can I play... Look, I'm relatively unpopular this week in Australian wrestling anyway. <laughs> can I play devil's advocate? Yes. So, I was, in, I was in touch with a couple of Melbourne wrestling promotions about doing no, re, uh, no fan shows in the next two weeks. And they were discussing it, and they're like, we can do it, but every point of contact is a risk. The, it's meant to be 1.5 metres. That's what the government have said. And admittedly, the five of us sitting around this table are too fucking close, except for me and Tony. Um... We've been too close for months. Yeah, right. Um, but everything is a risk. And Australian wrestling isn't like the US Indies. There are a very finite amount of us who live and die on the wage that we make in wrestling. But the wages we make outside of wrestling is so important. And I was talking with one company where one performer works in aged care in their legitimate job. And they were pitching really, really hard for a no, uh, no fan show, an empty arena show. But imagine the fallout. Everyone was up me for the no ring death match for the fallout of potentially bleeding all over a bar and all that kind of stuff. And I completely understand where they were coming from. Imagine the fallout of the entire wrestling community if that person contracted COVID-19 at this empty arena wrestling show and went back to their job at aged care. And unfortunately someone contracted and died. And killed somebody. Well, they killed the whole, the whole nursing home is what we've seen from Sydney. Imagine the heat, not on the person, not on the promotion, but the entire Australian wrestling industry would get painted with the same brush. And, like, hand on heart, like, I'm so proud of companies like MCW who took the financial loss on the chin and went, you know what, we're going to eat it now, but instead of attempting to run an event with less than 500 people, which we now know in hindsight wouldn't have happened, it'd be down to 100 taking it on the chin and eating an international's flights and the travel in the hotel for all the interstaters who were meant to fly in for that show. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Two international's flights. We were meant to have somebody from Japan and someone flying in from the United States. Taking that on the chin and eating that financial loss for the greater good of 
not being the bowling ball that knocks down the pins of Australian wrestling but that's if also, someone is responsible for fucking the whole thing up. That's also well not knowing when you're going to actually be able to run your next show to recoup money. Bang on. Well, get behind our promotions here in Australia. Subscribe to their services uh, yeah. for We've most of them are between five and ten dollars a month. It's not that much. Well, the, well you're going to get some great. The stuff. money you're saving on tickets right now. Yeah. Hit, hit these companies up. They all have a back catalogue. Everyone is now scrambling to get their back catalogue online. There are promotions that don't have their back catalogue freely available, like certain promotions in Queensland, certain promotions in Adelaide. Like, if you look at PWSA, mm. whose back catalogue isn't readily available, and you go back through Gino Gambino, Cracker Jack, Johnny Raddick, like, they've got an amazing back catalogue that just isn't available, and if they've got the time to get it online, like... We, uh, part one of the, this particular program, talking in Casanova Valentine and doing the throwbacks to the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s, there are so many guys from the last 20 years that you can dive back into and understand why guys like Adam Brooks are so fucking popular now. Mm. And guys like Gino Gambino or Cracker Jack. Slex. Sorry, or Slex. Like, and go back and dive into what these guys did to get to the level they are to be on this international stage. A good point. Very good point. Uh, speaking of international stage, I mean, we're talking about promotions here that normally would get four, five, six hundred maybe to a show. What about something like WrestleMania? That <laughs> an amazing thing that they've got to do where they're doing their show WrestleMania at the Performance Centre mm. without a crowd. They would have. I think that was going to hold eighty thousand people. With that, seventy odd, I yeah. think. But yeah. the thing with this is. It's uncharted territory. We, it, it still may not go ahead. Not if one true. of those wrestlers contracts COVID-19, there's no WrestleMania. And if... Um, yeah, it's just a, a bizarre situation. Watching Raw and SmackDown the past week behind closed doors, um, SmackDown had a couple of matches, but Raw, they, didn't, they only had probably the one match. One match. One, one match. And... That's because WWE decided they didn't like the look of matches behind closed doors. So, running WrestleMania with a seven-hour show with no crowd... Oh, it won't be seven hours. Nope. <laughs> the, that yeah. card's still It'll long. There's still two plenty. And a half. Two and a half, you're right. Spot <laughs> on. Look, in, in the benefit to come out of it is The Undertaker's entrance will only take about half an hour because there's not really much of a ramp. <laughs> uh, his knees might... His, hold him <laughs> his knees will make it. Um, He's over 72, so he should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the risk in the risk category, you reckon? <laughs> He's already the dead man. Type, yeah, that's a very good point. But in seriousness, like, it's going to be the most talked about WrestleMania in history. I think yeah, it probably will be. Yeah, it oh, I, I, be. the way it's snowballed in the last two or three days, I can't see it happening. You know, how many production staff have to run a live event, and then you've got the talent. With Triple yeah. H is running the camera again, that'll yeah. help. <laughs> You know, I, I genuinely feel like they're leaving money on the table doing it now and not postponing it until mm. we're on the way out of this. Like, whether it's six months, whether it's eight months, whether they write the whole thing off. What do they do with SummerSlam and things Might like that? Yeah, run. but that's what I mean. If it, Hypothetically, if it's all good by November and we do it instead of Survivor Series, like, it, this whole 2020 is going to go down in history... And we're going to look back on it like it's the fucking Black Plague. It's the fucking worst year ever. But, yeah, you know, 
what a year this yeah. week has been, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> no, but it was started off with the bushfires for the first month. I mean, it, and it Kobe. Been. Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. Oh. But, but this is the Still thing. Got over like, that. they're going to they're sacrifice all of these amazing moments. Imagine every fan here in Australia. We've got homegrown talent in two relatively, like, one relatively high-profile match and one a fucking co-main event. And the entire country is going to celebrate. Yeah, Rhea Ripley's got a fucking WrestleMania match and she's Against doing, fucking a, Charlotte. doing a dark at the Performance Center in front of the guys running the cameras. Yeah. But they, push it back six months. Yeah. Like, wipe it off and wait till next year. We posed, it doesn't matter. We posed a question online. If it does run at the Performance Center, yep. what can they do to make it special, make it feel like WrestleMania? I don't donuts. think they can do anything. It's Absolute donuts. It's... Yeah, it's not going to end up in um, you know, vignettes and stuff for later on. It's not going to create a WrestleMania moment. WrestleMania and pro wrestling in general is only important in the context of humanity. Imagine, what's your favourite WrestleMania moment? Uh, what? The Rock this shouldn't take this long. Hulk or Shawn Michaels super kicking Ric Flair. Nice. Cool. Savage Imagine winning the title. Savage, Savage winning the, the title. I was too young. The first time. Uh, Early a lot of the early matches, a lot of the early main events, two, three, four. A lot of that. I, I find it hard to really. A lot of the stuff really was good. Take I'm not going to say a particular event. Okay, so for me, it's Sean beating Bret in overtime. Yeah. WrestleMania 12. Take all of those moments and take the fans out, whether it's 11,000, 18,000, 80,000, 100,000. Those moments don't mean shit without the context of the people ah, correct. watching. Correct. Yeah. I think this WrestleMania is going to fall on its ass. If they attempt to execute the moments they want to execute without the context of humanity surrounding them. Yeah. Well, that match I brought up, The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. Yep. Watch it on mute. <laughs> it's complete. Yeah. That, that crowd was... Have you, done, have you done this? Or? Uh, yeah, I've done it. Yeah. I've done it as a study of crowd It's basically a triple threat match. The, the crowd is much so important compared... You know, Hogan was booked as the heel for that yeah. entire match. But, but the, the crowd, crowd turned were, him. The yeah. crowd were on Hogan the whole night. And they turned him. And it was the and benefit of the performers to turn the match around. Yeah. You take the context out, and it's a bad match between a guy who's a part-timer and a guy who's 10 years past it. Did yeah. Do you think it's still going to be better than when Diesel was main eventing WrestleMania? You fucking, you take that yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is the coolest man ever. You in take that I'm not back. saying that he isn't. I love Diesel. I love the NWO. But I'm going to give you a jackknife and not the new jackknife. I'm going to give you the shit one where I let you go halfway <laughs> up. I'm going to corpse on you. Uh, uh, that's, that's how everybody so else fucking took it. <laughs> so, so say they push it back to December. Yep. We're straight back in the WrestleMania season. How good's that? Great. You're straight in the Royal Rumble build-up. It's too so fucking good. long anyway. It's so Devil's good. Advocate. Raw, Survivor Series, Raw, Rumble, yeah. Raw, yeah. Elimination Chamber. Great, we've got three Raw still mania. Yes, hey. perfect. What do we have to look forward to at the moment, though? Living. <laughs> For some of us, Tony, you're in the risk category. Yeah. Um, yeah you back, fell asleep for 10 minutes like because of back Sleep apnea. Everyone thinking outside of the box. They're um, like... Did anyone see what Osprey put together on fucking... Just it's it's next on the run sheet, oh, Joe. Oh, well, see, that's what we call in the business a transition. Well played. Well, well played. Um, <laughs> thanks for blowing my spot. Um, Will Osprey on four days' notice, put together a no-fan show. In the UK... I didn't even know he'd went home. But he put together... I thought he was home. Yeah, take it up with his passport. Um, 
he put together an amazing no fan show with some genuine dream matches on there. And you look at the lineup: Paul Robertson, David Starr, OJMO, B Priestley, Will Ospreay. Carl uh, Fletcher. Carl Fletcher. They put together an amazing card on four days' notice, paid all the talent. For the right reasons. He did it for the right reasons. For the guys who are genuinely out of work for the next two months. And because wrestling isn't unionized and wrestling isn't contracted, it's all cash in hand. These guys are genuinely out of work for the next however long. But he put together an amazing thing. I think, what did he say? He raised 12,000 pounds? Yeah, it was just over 10, I think, yeah. Just over 10,000 pounds. Pounds. So in Australia, you can buy a house oh, for that. You've, you've just given me an amazing idea. Oh, here no. Okay. Oh, for fuck's now, sake. Now, I'm going to talk about it here. No, no, seriously, this could really work well. <laughs> we could do a no-fan show and get all the major talent from around Australia and we auction off matches. If people want to see it, you have to pay via a whatever it might be and if it raises such an amount of money a certain amount of money then that matches on you go the match with the fans so it might be you realise you're price gouging your main market right? and you're realising that the wrestlers would need to live yeah, in the on, same talk- town yeah? I'm talking about no wrestlers could travel from Sydney no one wants to fly at the who's moment who's paying their trans you drive it's not Pet- 1999 Petrol anymore so. hang on if people are going to earn a grand or two grand out of a fight they're going to drive to Melbourne but you're price gouging them for that money yeah. no, no I'm not I'm just saying we're trying to help the wrestlers out who aren't going to wrestle for the next three or four months Australia I'm not talking about price gouging here. I'm talking about helping wrestlers out and get something in their pocket Tony no, one, for next three or no four one agrees with you I think and, you're hinting and that's, around and that's custom matches Tony <laughs> <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Whoosh. Tony, well, if you're going to hit me with shoes, we'll talk off. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting idea, PW, PCW Grand Slam. Moving on. Oh, poor Tony. Uh, no. Oh, Was it risk? He's gone again. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone again. It usually takes longer than this. Yeah. yeah. Give me a beer on the way back, Tony. <laughs> I'll have a scotch. I, I'll have a water, thanks, mate. Um, but genuinely, like, moving forward... Who's going to press stop on the recording? As long as he's hit no, record, we're happy. Let's keep talking, and if he cuts <laughs> it, he cuts it. Let's really shit on him while he's not here. Tony Shebecki is he, the best ring announcer in Australia. No. Uh, he doesn't listen anyway. I can't wait to see what everybody does. There are so many amazing characters that have come out in the last year that everyone is gravitating to. Like, I don't know about you two, but the show I was most excited for for WrestleMania weekend was Effie's Big Gay Brunch. And they dropped the main event of what Effie's Big Gay Brunch was going to be tonight. And characters like Effie, Danhausen, Warhorse, and then even here in Australia, characters like The Prefects and Matty Wahlberg and Lockie Hendricks and guys like that uh, all have this opportunity to sit in their homemade offices and create amazing content. Yeah. Well, the content creators at home, because let's face it, we're all pretty sure at some stage we're going to be locked down. The content creators bored with a camera, with their memes, with everything. We're going to see some amazing free online content over Bang the on. next few months. Can we talk about who the guest is next week? Yes. Tony's not going to listen anyway. Um, the One of the best content creators is Shazza McKenzie. She's coming back. She lands in about you know, 10 hours or so. And she's stuck in a room for two weeks. And is already one of the best content creators coming out of Australia. I and you guys have her on in next week. Yeah, well, what we pitched, what we pitched was, you're gonna be stuck in quarantine, 
Um, I'm assuming stir crazy by next Wednesday. Yep. Let's let's harness it. Let's talk about your experiences, but let's have some fun. And she said, "Let me get home and talk about it." But I'm in. So we're really looking forward to it because um, what she's been able to create over the last three or four months, particularly ahead of this trip, was a an extreme amount of buzz for yep. her performances. Mm-hmm. From a lot of people who've never even seen her wrestle before. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. Tony will say something inappropriate, um, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure he will, but let's take this podcast up a notch. Um, no, you bang on. And, and I, I think she created a lot of buzz, and it, unfortunately it all evaporated due to the travel situation. But the big thing is, and I've spoken to the promoters ar- around the country, once this is over, the entire Australian community is going to be chomping at the bit for live, co- live entertainment to get out of the fucking house and go and see a show. So I think Australian wrestling is going to see the biggest upturn we've seen in well over a yeah. decade. Off the back of this, we just kind of have to write it out. Yeah. Well, we're in a pub right now. Yeah. And I know that the discussions around the group that we're with were, yep. we don't know when's the next time we're going to be able to actually gather in the same room, have a beer and have a chat because, because it could be six months. And that's the Australian culture. It's a pub. It's a public house. It's what they were founded on. Like, But when the time comes and the switch is flicked and we're allowed to flock out of our homes like it's the end of a fucking war, everyone's going to want to drop 20 bucks on live entertainment. Yep. And wrestling companies who are ready for that, who can also flick the switch and go, come into our house with open arms and here is everything that you've been missing out on in the last six months. Are going to benefit from the upturn? Yeah, look at um, you know Melbourne, obviously in Sydney. You know those first couple of weekends that we're free, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday yeah. shows. People will be we chomping ha- at it. We can have the scene that we dream of. Yeah. it's the American indie scene all over again because we're going to become a live entertainment country if we get locked down. Look, look at the upturn in pro wrestling after the Second World War. Or everyone that goes, oh, he was the first NWA champion and he was the first this and he was the first that. It was all post the Second World War where everyone was on fucking lockdown fearing for their lives and it was over and everyone just wanted to get out of the house and spend some money and see something they enjoy. Well, the last thing I've ever wanted to do with this podcast is take ourselves seriously. But at the moment, you kind of do feel a responsibility to keep creating content because people are going to be locked in the house and... I know that I do turn to my podcasts and things like that that I listen to. So we definitely need to keep creating content. Yeah. And wrestling companies in Australia need to keep creating content. So we're definitely open to sharing our forum with any of the local companies who've got an idea of how we can cross-pollinate and sort of help promote each other, promote your characters, further storylines. That's the kind of thing that we need to be looking at right now. I genuinely hope so. There is so much... I, I've been in wrestling 18 years now. This is pretty much my 18... My wrestling career is legally allowed to drink. But there is so much... And it's his- drinking a lot. <laughs> Judging you and your empty fucking scotch glass. Um, there is so much history in Australian wrestling that... Like, how long have you been following Australian wrestling? We've had this conversation offline, but... Neil, coming up on five years. Well... Uh, probably three, four years. There you go. So but it was the years ago I was watching it. So. But there you go. There's 13 years, even just to go back to when I started. 
that can be touched on. Tony's genuinely butthurt. He's run out the front. And it's just that my next spot really relies on him getting offended. All right. Oh, look, I'll, I'll sell it like it's Tony. But <laughs> there's 13 years to cover, and there are people still in wrestling now. But if you can get... Look, look at what Cass was talking about in the first segment about American wrestling history. Why aren't people talking about Australian wrestling history in the same vein? There's nothing stopping us. And we have a press pause on the entire industry right now. Why can't we, in these times, round those particular people up and give everybody an education so everyone comes back into the pool with a better understanding of what's going on and a better context yep. to enjoy what they're seeing? I have seen a number of um, wrestling fans who are more recent converts um, tweeting, looking for recommendations on what they can go back and watch on streaming services. Yeah. And then I've seen a lot of people helping them out, which has been really nice to see. I agree. Well, I guess anyway. it's time for me to cancel something. We didn't even cover Grand Slam. No, Who but Tony. Went? So Tony's going to chat to S Sammy Falcon. Oh, tomorrow. excellent. Yes. And that will be slotted in somewhere right around here. Right about now. Yes. Which means Tony's going to have to listen to the show to get to the spot. Oh, he's going to be sold. I bet you he's already slotted in somewhere else because he couldn't be That's fucked. Awesome. Anyway, you've probably heard from Sammy Falcon. Yeah. I hope oh, that so. was really good, Tony. Well done, mate. You've done well there, buddy. I love Sammy Falcon. He, yes. He's a really amazing young talent. Did great back in January. And uh, sky's the limit for him once he gets out of fucking quarantine. And he was also basically the star of Grand Slam. He won his match. He had a pick your poison match and he chose his weapon. Yeah. And it was Aisha. Very Fair. Clever. Clever. She's and a fucking ninja. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he won, and then he won the Royal Rumble as well, so he's got the title shot. So, so Sammy wins the lol? Sammy basically won wrestling, and then wrestling stopped. So he's the lineage So Sammy champion. is the champion of wrestling. Yeah, Australian wrestling, hey, yeah. Sammy Falcon is the champion of wrestling, everybody. Moving <laughs> on. Uh, time for me to cancel something. Yes. Do it. Well, she, you got something... Well, we, we touched on it earlier. Okay. Uh, there was an issue that... Tony had with Vic Pol. Okay, all right. So Tony, we mentioned it earlier, got pulled up by the police, and he had lost his license for a hundred years. Suspended, suspended. Same thing. He'll get yeah. it back if he lives to a hundred and ninety. He'd be lucky to live another two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to cancel Vic Pol. I don't feel oh. safe on the roads yep. with them letting a hardened criminal mm -hmm. like Tony whose license has already been suspended earlier in the year in the last six months mm -hmm. get away with driving on a suspended license with a wink and a nod and on your way young fella nah Tony's a criminal he should be in jail and that's just for the driving and the then there's stuff. the driving yeah <laughs> anyway Vic Pol cancelled look I think the sentence that Vic Pol needs to give Tony is the length of time that Australian wrestling promotions can't run shows I'd give him way longer than that. Mm. Plus 12 months. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can let him out the day before the ABL final. Ah, okay. Very and he can watch the Adelaide Giants and the Auckland Tuatara <laughs> in Melbourne. <laughs> and he can just sit there with his arms crossed with the sad girl face when Miz won the belt. Just look. I would put him on a work release to record this podcast, but he tends not to record it half the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm just more worried that how long I've got to be his designated driver for. A hundred years is a long time <laughs> for me to be driving him everywhere. It's hard enough driving drunk Welshy everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to drive two of them. Do you think he's gone home? I, 
I, uh, I hope he hasn't gone home. Cause no, he's in the front bar having an excellent time, apparently, according to my lovely fiance. That's, well, Everyone else in the front bar is definitely not having an excellent time because they're having to talk to That's Tony. That's fine. We can, we can bang through this podcast. Yeah. All right, let's well, get through it. Well, the, the weird thing is, Tony was going to... Um, he reviewed the show this week because, obviously, he can't go to work with his no licence. <laughs> um, so he's watched the shows. He, he let it slip a little bit. Um, Which show? NXT. Because I'm not across yeah, what you two were saying this week. Yeah, he so he's he watched NXT and I'm pretty sure this was a Vince McMahon um, book show, not Triple H, because they had a uh, yeah a 30 man battle royal. Battle royal. Yes, and there was a masked man. <laughs> um, he came out at number 19. Was a Mad Dog from no, no, the movie no, no, um, no. Grunt the Wrestling Movie? No, no. He came out at number 19. Look that up, people. Grunt uh, the Wrestling Movie. It's the worst Vince movie McMahon, you'll ever see. <laughs> Vince McMahon fashion. He, um, 29 other men absolutely stomped and gave uh, Corona 19 all their finishes and thrown him out. <laughs> Just jobbed out the Corona uh, <laughs> virus. And... The coronavirus... Was God involved? No, no. He shot out... He knew what Vince McMahon's doing. He's thrown down a challenge. He wants a one-on-one match versus Vince McMahon at the real WrestleMania in front of a crowd. So he could... Vince McMahon could quite possibly be the only man to beat God and the coronavirus at the end of the... Joel, every time I don't write this segment, it fucking sucks. Look, no. Look, I'm excited for COVID-19 versus Vinnie Mac. Yep. I, I can't wait for... Vinny Max in that danger period, though. Like. <laughs> exactly! So, so, it's an <laughs> so it's a death match. fucking death match. <laughs> and people have been shitting on me for fucking weeks. And new death matches don't have a place. You know what? It's going to headline the next WrestleMania. It's going to be COVID-19 versus fucking Vince McMahon, who's in the danger zone. <laughs> Let's just hope that the Stooges down in the corner because yeah, so, no, they could no. take all three of them out. Look, admittedly, as much as I love Pat Patterson, Jerry Briscoe's already dead. Um, <laughs> COVID-19 versus Vince McMahon in a death match. Oh. That's good shit. That's such good shit. <laughs> I can't wait. WrestleMania sounds like a fucking blast. But the problem is, if COVID-19's headlining in front of a crowd... Does that mean we all go back into isolation again? Uh, look who's back. No, someone's got to ra- wrap up the show. Hey, Tony. Uh, Tony, we did, the, yeah, Vince McMahon versus COVID-19. Did you enjoy one. all the beer you drank in the front bar whilst you were not? You're ha- talking. How long does wrestling have to be cancelled for, for the virus to be considered the heel against Vince McMahon? Because that's kind of... Yeah, because Vince is wildly unlikable. Yes. I'm, look, admittedly, I think Vinny's going to die the heel. Yep. He's going to Freddie Blassie this shit. Yep. Like, He'd go out the right way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's all about the... It's all about the fucking Shane's gonna come down. You're looking, at the ceil- you're, you're looking at the lights tonight, son. <laughs> Moving right along. If you are promoting a show in the... Which is probably... Actually, you can probably leave that line out, Lyle. You know no, what? I, no, I'm two shows this week. Look, if you are promoting a show before, <laughs> we inevitably can't run shows anymore. But if you have any content... Yeah. I'll tell you who can still you run. Have a you know who still can run? Who? One fall. Because a crowd of ten would be no problem. <laughs> <laughs> they could green screen a bit. Hey, they're out drawing WrestleMania this year. Yeah, good on them. They put a blocker on Chris Bell's internet. He's not even going to hear this. Oh. <laughs> If 
you are promoting any content that you think can get Australian wrestling fans through these unprecedented times, please reach out to On The Turnbuckle on any of their social media mediums, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or an old email. Please reach out because uh, these are the times to get your shit in. We're keen if to you've help. got a character to get over, please reach out because these guys are going to help you do it. We need content. <laughs> Look, I'm wildly uninteresting, and they keep bringing me back. So I, you're always you're, here when we record. Yeah, it's because you record in places with beer. It's really uh, neither here nor there. Um, if you have an idea for a podcast, contact my podcast house or on the turnbuckle through the aforementioned social media challenges, and we can help you get on the air. Tune in next week when these guys, not me are going to be joined by Break Hardcore Shaz McKenzie live from quarantine as she's flown back from the United States of America. Tony's Who she cancels on this? Tony's going to be boring terrible. fucking holes in me with his laser eyes because he's angry at me and I don't know <laughs> what I've done. Um, <laughs> Tony, Tony, would you like it to close late. the show? It is late. Come on, finish it. Come on, Tony. Tony, close the show. On, Put the Tony. headset back on. <laughs> Come on, Tony. All right, you little chicks. If we have to. Thank you for Tony. messing up the show. But I'm going to bring it back on track just for the finish anyway for the last few minutes or so. And I'm going to catch up with Sammy Falcon, who, of course, was part of an amazing uh, weekend last weekend at, at PCW at the State Basketball Centre. Sammy, welcome back onto On the Turnbuckle. Long time no speak, my friend. How are you? Uh, mate, I've been fantastic. How are you guys? What Tell us uh, about the great night that you guys had last weekend. Oh, it was absolutely amazing night to me, especially uh, winning not just one, but two matches. So uh, ending the show on a really positive note just for myself. Um, Grandstone was amazing. Um, just, you know, with all the negative, uh, you know, circumstances of the coronavirus and stuff heading in, we weren't too sure how well the show was going to go and how well received uh, it was going to be. But it ended up being a really, really great event. We didn't have as many people as we thought, but everyone that was there was as loud as they could be for the whole night. So I really appreciate that from everybody. And uh, it was, again, just a spectacular event, really. Yeah, fantastic. So that was great. Did you get a final number? Um, I'm not too sure exactly what the number was, but I'm pretty sure it was around 2,000. So, wow. again, not the, uh, not the perceived number at the beginning, but obviously... Look, we obviously we don't know, we don't know exactly what the number would be without the uh, the issues in place, but it would have been a bit higher, obviously. But uh, still, two thousand is not something to just uh, you know. No, that's that's amazing. Now, so. for yourself, as you said, you had a couple of great wins. First of all, you had a uh, pick a person or pick a a poison match up against yep. uh, Lucas Daniels. Now, who was or what was your poison? Well, Daniels decided to bring out a. Uh, a weapon of his choice, which was the kendo stick. And over the past month, I've been just destroying the hell out of his eye uh, with, a, with a crutch, with Carl Grove's crutch. So the idea was to walk in there with the crutch, as everybody assumed, but I decided to swerve everybody and uh, bring out the most vicious female wrestler in PCW in Australian history, and that was Asia. So uh, I turned the tables on not just Daniels, but everybody on that night and uh, picked up the win. Which is amazing for you. That's fantastic to beat Lucas Daniels, who, of course, has been the PCW champion for a, a, a lengthy period of time in the past. And to come up against a guy mm. like that and beat him is a great effort by you. And then later in the night, in the Rumble, you also win that, which now makes you the number one contender to come up against Mark Cage. It sure does. Not only did I def- 
the the uh, unrivaled Lucas Towns himself, which is already a huge achievement. But yeah, winning the Rumble and becoming the number one contender to hopefully get back not just the R4K title that was lost earlier in the night, uh, but to take what's rightfully Sammy Falcons and all the R4Ks, and that is the PCW National Championship. So things not just working only for you in the in the doubles scene with RB4K, but also in the singles scene. Life's pretty good at the moment. It is. I mean, look at looking at last year. It was all about that that six uh, six person tag match in the main event. So it was it was so much harder to enjoy and uh, absorb the crowd and absorb the night because we had so much pressure and so much stress. Uh, this year, just as much stress for me in particular, but um, it was a lot more easy to absorb the, the energy of the crowd and just enjoy the night and enjoy the anxiety of going out there rather than just be a stress head about it. And Sammy, were there any other big results that we should know about from last week? Well, obviously, as a result from the, you know, the virus spreading, um, a lot of companies, especially for wrestling, they're closing their doors to live, uh, live attendance. So uh, PCW isn't stopping, though. We're going to be making sure to get some content out for uh, slams and ignitions. So we will be doing some taping. So if there's ever a chance to plug the PCW network, it's right now. Um, if you, you want to catch ignition shows, uh, there, will, there won't be any live attendance, but you can still watch the aftermath of Grand Slam and watch me hopefully knock out Mark Cage and try and get back my title. That's going to be very weird doing a show without an audience. I can't wait. It's going to be, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be quite stressed and nervous about it, but me, it's just another, another challenge to do, another thing to uh, experience. So I'm excited for it. Sammy, really appreciate your time over the last couple of weeks you've spent with us having a chat. Good luck for the future, yep. mate. We look forward to catching you shortly. Thanks very much, man. Appreciate it. Everyone, PCW Network, thanks for coming to Grand Slam, and I'll catch you next time. Well, there you go. Sammy Falcon joining us. That is the way you finish off a show. That is the way you do an interview. We'll catch you next week right here on The Turnbuckle.